Amid the 1990s celebrations of globalization was a growing rumble of discontent over the effects of global economic integration on the poorer countries of the world and on working people in the rich countries that were championing economic globalization. In the late 1970s and 1980s, few in the global north knew of the increased frequency and militancy of protests taking place in the global south against the punishing conditions imposed on third world governments by the World Bank and International Monetary Fund, or IMF. Proponents of the loans claimed that conditionalities such as reductions in social spending, budgetary discipline, and lowered barriers to trade would foster economic growth in borrowing countries. Instead, most faced long-term and crippling international debt without the predicted benefits of development, the promise of which justified multilateral lending policies. Yet, as the 1990s wore on and sustained economic growth still eluded many countries of the so-called developing world, global leaders, including UN Secretary General Kofi Annan, continued to call for greater openness to world markets as the solution to persistent poverty. The world saw overall economic growth, but inequities grew and persisted both within and between countries. Thus, by late 2010, we were witnessing the equivalent of IMF riots in countries of the global north. Outside elite circles, a growing chorus of political activists and academic analysts from around the world were coming together around a shared critique of the policies of economic globalization. By the late 1990s, a growing and more diverse array of social movements was gathering at sites where international leaders met to plan global economic policy. Their presence became increasingly large and disruptive throughout the decade, and with the 1999 ministerial meeting of the World Trade Organization, they burst into global public consciousness following the battle in Seattle, waged by tens of thousands of protesters who shut down the meeting's opening session. A close look at the analyses and critiques raised by a variety of social movements during the 1980s and 1990s shows that these groups anticipated the types of economic crises that came to plague Mexico in 1994, Southeast Asia and Russia in the late 1990s, Argentina in 2001, and eventually the United States and Europe in 2008. Each of these successive crises had wider repercussions, of course, as the world's economies had become increasingly interconnected and interdependent. These movements also anticipated the global ecological crisis, which world leaders can no longer afford to ignore. Indeed, their work to focus leaders' attention on global environmental issues led corporate actors to begin lobbying at international meetings and engage in systematic efforts to obfuscate public debate about environmental problems and emphasize market-based responses to them. Sociologists in the United States have tended to understand these global conflicts in terms of the world political economy or through the lens of institutions. The former approach is reflected mainly in the subfield of world systems analysis, which views the modern capitalist economy in largely structural and world historical terms. With this lens, global social change is seen as a function of the operation of capitalism on a global scale, which generates patterns that change in predictable ways over long periods of time. 
Such changes are driven largely by competition among economic and political actors, operating within a system organized to facilitate the endless accumulation of capital. In contrast, the world polity or world culture perspective emphasizes a much shorter time frame, highlighting the role of more recently established intergovernmental organizations, such as the United Nations, in shaping how states and other global actors interact, as well as how they define agendas and advance their respective interests. They identify the emergence of global norms, practices, and institutions as a world culture that is shaped more by institutional processes and organizational routines than by structural and material factors. Our task in this book is to try to account for changes in the population of transnational organizations working for social and political change.